I'm Malika Gulati, a student of Maharishi Markandeshwar Institute of Physiotherapy and Rehabilitation, an institute under Maharishi Markandeshwar deemed to be university. The Babus of Nayanjur by Rabindranath Tagore Once upon a time, the Babus of Nayanjur were famous landholders. They were noted for the princely extravagance. They would tear off the rough border of the Dhaka Muslim because it rubbed against the delicate skin. They would spend many thousands of rupees over the wedding of a kitten. And on a certain grand occasion, it is alleged that in order to turn night into day, they lighted countless lamps and shard silver threads from the sky to imitate sunlight. Those were the days before the flood. The flood came. The line of succession among these old world babus with the lordly habits could not continue for long. Like a lamp with too many wicks burning, the oil flared away quickly and the light went out. Kailash Babu, our neighbor, is the last flicker of this extinct magnificence. Before he grew up, his family had very nearly burned itself out. When his father died, there was one dazzling outburst of funeral extravagance and then insolvency. The property was sold to liquidate the debt. What little ready money was left was altogether insufficient to keep up the ancestral splendors. Kailash Babu left Nayanjur and came to Calcutta. His son did not remain long in this world of faded glory. He died leaving behind him an only daughter. In Calcutta, we are Kailash Babu's neighbors. Curiously enough, our own family history is just the opposite of his. My father made his money by his own exertions and prided himself on never spending a penny more than was necessary. His clothes were those of a working man and his hands also. He never had any inclination to earn the title of Babu by extravagant display. And I, his only son, am grateful to him for that. He gave me the very best education and I was able to make my way in the world. I am not ashamed of the fact that I am a self-made man. Crisp notes in my safe are dearer to me than a long pedigree in an empty family chest. I believe this was why I disliked seeing Kailash Babu drawing his heavy checks on the public credit from the bankrupt bank of his ancient Babu reputation. I used to fancy that he looked down on me because my father had earned money by manual labor. I ought to have noticed that no one but myself 
showed any vexation towards Kailash Babu. Indeed, it would have been difficult to find an old man who did less harm than he. He was always ready with his kind little acts of courtesy in times of sorrow or joy. He would join in all the ceremonies and religious observances of his neighbors. His familiar smile would greet young and old alike. His politeness in asking details about domestic affairs was untiring. The friends who met him in the street were ready perforce to be buttonholed while a long string of remarks of his kind followed one another from his lips. I am delighted to see you, my dear friend. Are you quite well? How is Sashi? And Dada, is he alright? Do you know? I have only just heard that Madhu's son has got fever. How is he? Have you heard? And Haricharan Babu? I have not seen him for a long time. Hope he is not ill. What's the matter with Rakhal? And er... How are the ladies of your family? Kailash Babu was neat and spotless in his dress on any occasion though his supply of clothes was sorely limited. Every day he used to air his shirts and vests and coats and trousers carefully and put them out in the sun along with his bed quilt, his pillowcase and the small carpet on which he always sat. After airing them, he would shake them and brush them and put them carefully away. His little bits of furniture made his small room presentable and hinted that there was more in reserve if needed. Very often, for want of a servant, he would shut up his house for a while. Then he would iron out his shirts and linen and do other manual tasks. He would then open his door and receive his friends again. Though Kailash Babu, as I've said, had lost all his land, he had still some family heirlooms left. There was a silver cruet for sprinkling scented water, a filigree box for otto of roses, a small gold salver, a costly antique shawl, and the old-fashioned ceremonial dress and the ancestral turban. These he had rescued with the greatest difficulty from the moneylender's clutches. On every suitable occasion, he would bring them out in state and thus try to save the world-famed dignity of the Babus of Nayanjore. At heart, the most modest of men in his daily speech, he regarded it as a sacred offering due to his rank to give free play to his family pride. His friends would encourage this with kindly good humor and it gave them great amusement. The people of the neighborhood soon learned to call him their Thakur Dada. They would flock to his house and sit with him for hours together. To prevent his incurring any exposure, one or the other of his friends would bring him tobacco and say, Thakur Dada, this morning some tobacco was sent to me from Gaya. Do try it and see how you like it. Thakur Dada would smoke it and say it was excellent. He would then proceed to tell of a certain exquisite tobacco which they once smoked in the old days at Nayanjore that cost a guinea an ounce. 
I wonder, he used to say, if anyone would like to try it now. I have some left and can get it at once. Everyone knew that if they asked for it, then somehow or the other the key of the cupboard would be missing or else Ganesh, his old family servant, had put it away somewhere. You can never be sure, he would add, where things go to when servants are about. Now this Ganesh of mine, I can't tell you what a fool he is, but I haven't the heart to dismiss him. Ganesh, for the credit of the family, was quite ready to bear all the blame without a word. One of the company usually said at this point, Never mind, Thakur Dada, please don't trouble to look for it. This tobacco we are smoking will do quite well. The other would be too strong. Then Thakur Dada would be relieved and settle down again. And the talk would go on. When his guests got up to go away, Thakur Dada would accompany them to the door and say to them on the doorstep, Oh, by the way, when are you all coming to dine with me? One or the other of us answer, Not just yet, Thakur Dada, not just yet. We'll fix a day later. Quite right, he would answer. Quite right, we had much better wait till the rains come. It's too hot now and the grand dinner as I should want to give you would upset us in weather like this. But when the rains come, everyone was very careful not to remind him of his promise. If the subject was brought up, some friend would suggest gently that it was very inconvenient to get about when the rains were so severe, and therefore it would be much better to wait till they were over. Thus the game went on. Thakur Dada's poor house was much too small for his position and we used to condole him about it. His friends would assure him they quite understood his difficulties. It was next to impossible to get a decent house in Calcutta. Indeed, they had all been looking out for years for a house to suit him. But I need hardly add, no friend had been foolish enough to find one. Thakur Dada used to say with a sigh of resignation, Well, well, I suppose I shall have to put up with this house after all. Then he would add with a genial smile, But you know, I could never bear to be away from my friends. I must be near you. That really compensates for everything. Somehow I felt all this very deeply indeed. I suppose the real reason was that when a man is young, stupidity appears to him the worst of crimes. Kailash Babu was not really stupid. In ordinary business matters, everyone was ready to consult him. But with regard to Nayanjur, his utterances certainly seemed void of common sense, since out of amused affection for him, no one contradicted his impossible statements. He refused to keep them within bounds. When people recounted in his hearing the glorious history of Nayanjur with absurd exaggerations, he would accept all they said with the utmost gravity and never doubted, even in his dreams, that anyone could disbelieve it. When I sit down and try to analyze the thoughts and feelings that I had towards Kailash Babu, 
I see that there was still deeper reason for my dislike, which I shall now explain. Though I am the son of a rich man and might have wasted time at college, my industry was such that I took my MA degree in Calcutta University when quite young. My moral character is flawless. In addition, my outward appearance was so handsome that if I were to call myself beautiful, it might be thought a mark of self-esteem but could not be considered an untruth. There could be no question that I was regarded by parents generally as a very eligible match among the young men of Bengal. I myself was quite clear on the point and had determined to obtain my full value in the marriage market. When I pictured my choice, I had before my mind's eye a wealthy father's only daughter, extremely beautiful and highly educated. Proposals came pouring in to me from far and near. Large sums in cash were offered. I weighed these offers with rigid impartiality in the delicate scales of my own estimation. But there was no one fit to be my partner. I became convinced with the poet Bhabhabhuti that in this world's endless time and boundless space, one may be born at last to match my sovereign grace. But in this funny modern age and this contracted space of modern Bengal, it was doubtful whether the peerless creature existed. Meanwhile, my praises were sung in many tunes and in different meters by designing parents. Whether I was pleased with their daughters or not, this worship which they offered was never unpleasing. I used to regard it as my proper due because I was so good. We are told that when the gods withhold their boons from mortals, they still expect their worshippers to pay them fervent honor and are angry if it is withheld. I had that divine expectancy strongly developed. I've already mentioned that Thakur Dada had an only granddaughter. I had seen her many times but had never thought her beautiful. No idea had ever entered my mind that she would be a possible partner for me. All the same, it seemed quite certain to me that someday or other Kailash Babu would offer her with all due worship as an oblation at my shrine. Indeed, this was the inner secret of my dislike. I was thoroughly annoyed that he had not done so already. I heard that Thakur Dada had told his friends that the Babus of Nanjur never craved a boon. Even if the girl remained unmarried, he would not break the family tradition. It was this arrogance of his that made me angry. My indignation smoldered for some time. But I remained perfectly silent and bore it with the utmost patience because I was so good. As lightning accompanies thunder, so in my character a flash of humor was mingled with the mutterings of my wrath. It was, of course, 
impossible for me to punish the old man merely in order to give vent to my rage and for a long time i did nothing at all but suddenly one day such an amusing plan came into my head that i could not resist the temptation to carry it into effect one who was a retired government servant had told him that whenever he saw the chota lat sahib he asked for the latest news about the babus of nanjur and the chota lat had been heard to say that in all the bengal the only really respectable families were those of the maharajas of kosipur and the babus of nanjur he was very proud and often repeated the story and whenever after that he met the government servant in the company he would ask among other things oh er, by the way how is chota lad sahib quite well did you say ah yes i'm so delighted to hear it and the dear mean sahib is she quite well too ah yes and the little children are they quite well also ah yes that's very good news be sure and give them my compliments when you see them Kailash Babu frequently expressed his intention of going some day and paying a visit to the Lat Sahib but it may be taken for granted that many chota lats and barra lats also would come and go and much water would flow under the Hooghly bridges before the family coach of Nanjore would be furnished up to take Kailash Babu to government house One day I took him aside and whispered to him Thakur dada I was at the levee yesterday and the chota lad sahib happened to mention the babus of Nanjur I told him that Kailash babu had come to town Do you know he was terribly hurt because you hadn't called He told me he was going to put etiquettes on one side and pay you a private visit this very afternoon Anybody else would have seen through this plot of mine in a moment and if it had been directed against another person Kailash Babu would have understood the joke but after all that he had heard from his friend the government servant and after all his own exaggerations a visit from the lieutenant governor seemed the most natural thing in the world he became very nervous and excited at my news each detail of the coming visit exercised him greatly most of all his own ignorance of english how on earth was that difficulty to be met my friend with his tall silk hat on very gravely nodded i need hardly say that according to english custom the hat ought to have been removed inside the room but my friend dared not take it off for fear of detection and kailash babu and his old servant ganesh were sublimely unconscious for his breach of etiquette after a 10 minute interview which on his part consisted chiefly of nodding the head my friend rose to depart the two flunkies in livery as had been planned beforehand carried off instead the string of gold mohar 
the gold salver, the old ancestral shawl, the silver scent sprinkler and the auto of roses filigree box, they placed them ceremoniously in the carriage. I told him there was no difficulty at all. It was an aristocratic foible not to know English. Besides, the leftman governor always brought an interpreter with him, and he had expressly mentioned that this visit was to be private. About midday, when most of our neighbors were at work and the rest were asleep, a carriage and a pair stopped before the lodging of Kailash Babu. Two flunkies in livery came up the stairs and announced in a loud voice, the Chota Lad Sahib. Kailash Babu was ready waiting for him in his old-fashioned ceremonial robes and ancestral turban with Ganesh by his side dressed for the occasion in his master's best clothes. When the Chota Lad Sahib was announced, Kailash Babu ran panting, puffing and trembling to the door and led in with repeated salams, a friend of mine in disguise. As he did so, he bowed low at each step and walked backwards as well as he could. He had spread his old family shawl over a hard wooden chair on which he asked the Lat Sahib to be seated. He then made a high-flown speech in Urdu, the ancient court language of the Sahibs, and presented on the golden salver a string of gold mohar, the last relics of his broken fortune. The old family servant Ganesh, with an expression of awe bordering on terror, stood behind with the scent sprinkler simply drenching the Lat Sahib and touching him gingerly from time to time with the auto of roses from the filigree box. Kailash Babu repeatedly expressed his regret at not being able to receive his honor Bahadur with all the ancestral magnificence of his family estate at Nayanjur. Then he could have welcomed him with due ceremonial. But in Calcutta, he said he was a mere stranger and sojourner, in fact a fish out of water. Kailash Babu regarded this as the usual habit of Chota Lat Sahibs. I was watching all the while from the next room. My sides were aching with suppressed laughter. When I could hold myself in no longer, I rushed into a room further off, suddenly to discover in a corner a young girl sobbing as though her heart would break. When she heard my uproarious laughter, she stood tense in passion, flashing the lightning of her big dark eye in mine and said with a tear-choked voice, Tell me, what harm has my grandfather done to you? Why have you come to deceive him? Why have you come here? Why? She could say no more. She covered her face with her hands and broke into sobs. My laughter stopped instantly. It had never occurred to me that there was anything but a supremely funny joke in this act of mine and here I discovered that I had given the cruelest pain to this tender little heart. All the ugliness of my cruelty rose up to condemn me. I slunk out of the room in silence like a whipped dog. Hitherto, 
I had only looked upon Kusum, the granddaughter of Kailash Babu, as a somewhat worthless commodity in the marriage market, waiting in vain to attract a husband. But now I found with surprise that in the corner of that room a human heart was beating. The whole night through, I had very little sleep. My mind was in tumult. Very early next morning, I took all those stolen goods back to Kailash Babu's lodgings to hand them over in secret to the servant Ganesh. I waited outside the door and finding no one, went upstairs to Kailash Babu's room. I heard from the passage Kusum asking her grandfather in the most winning voice, Dada, dearest, do tell me all that the Chotalat Sahib said to you yesterday. Don't leave out a single word. I'm dying to hear it all over again. And Dada needed no encouragement. His face beamed with pride as he related all the compliments that the Lat Sahib had been good enough to utter concerning the ancient families of Nanjur. The girl was seated before him, looking up into his face and listening with rapt attention. She was determined out of love for the old man to play her part as well as to allow no suspicion to enter his mind. My heart was deeply touched and tears came to my eyes. I stood there in silence in the passage where Thakur Dada finished his account with embellishments of the Chota Lad Sahib's wonderful visit when at last he left the room. I took the stolen goods, laid them at the feet of the girl and came away without a word. Later in the day, I called again to see. According to our ugly modern custom, I had been in the habit of making no greetings at all to this old man when I came into the room. But today, I made a low bow and touched his feet. I am convinced the old man thought that the coming of the Chota Lad Sahib to his house was the cause of my new politeness. He was very much gratified by it and penance serenity shone from his eyes. His friends had looked in and he had already begun to tell again at the full length the story of the lieutenant governor's visit with still further adornments of a most fantastic kid. The story of the interview was already becoming epic both in quality and in length. When the other visitors had taken their leave, I humbly made my proposal to the old man. I told him that though I could never for a moment hope to be worthy of being received into such an illustrious family in marriage yet etc etc. When I made my proposal clear. The old man embraced me and broke out in excess of joy. I am a poor man and could never have expected such great good fortune. That was the first and last time in his life that Kailash Babu confessed his poverty. It was also the first and the last time in his life that he forgot, if only for a single moment, the ancestral dignity of the Babus of Nanjur. Thank you.